Hello, good morning, and welcome. It's Tuesday, the 13th of July, 2021, and we are back with episode 192. First, a huge thank you to everyone who wrote in, welcoming back to podcasting life after my nearly three months break. Uh, Really appreciate all the kind words, so thank you very much indeed for that. Just a friendly reminder, in case you missed it last time, we are now rebranded as Motive Mobility, so be sure to check us out at MotiveMobility.com. That's M-O-T-I-V Mobility.com. And of course, you can follow us on all social media at, you guessed it, Motive Mobility. So why don't we dive in and get started today? Um, Because we've got some pretty neat things to discuss. First, Volkswagen's autonomous future. Germany's new autonomous driving regulation goes into effect, and obviously we have to have a bit of a chat about Tesla's full self-driving beta version 9. All this right now. If you listen to this podcast on your iPhone or other Apple device, take a moment, please, and drop me five stars if you're a fan of this podcast, and be sure to subscribe so you get notified whenever a new episode goes live. Thank you so much. So, look, I've talked quite a bit about Volkswagen in the past, and going way back to, what was it, 2015, 2017? I don't know, whatever was the big Dieselgate scandal with Volkswagen when they, you know, cheated the emissions regulations. Uh, this, of course, was you know was during a time when diesel was still a really big thing, the really cool thing, and indeed they really did a pretty good job. Not they, just Volkswagen, but indeed many, most, almost all European automakers, especially, did a really good job, kind of convincing the world that modern so-called clean diesel engines were somehow better and less expensive and less harmful to the environment generally. Never mind the definitively better mile per gallon ratings, or if you prefer, liters per 100 kilometer ratings that these cars were capable of. And while some of those claims were obviously true, like, yes, obviously, diesel vehicles, by their very nature, get vastly better gas mileage than contemporary gasoline or petrol vehicles. But yeah, the cleanliness factor, well, they were about as clean as so-called clean coal power plants. These just were completely unfounded claims. Anyway, that was then. This is now Volkswagen obviously on path to be one of the leading EV contenders in the world. And frankly, while it can't really be truly excused what they did with the Dieselgate scandal, I mean, you know, frankly, we need them to succeed at this EV pivot. Right. That's kind of a bit of a preamble to where we're going with this discussion, which obviously has less to do with EV specifically and more to do obviously with their AV initiatives, because that is what they're doing. Uh, again, any company doing EV is doing AV and vice versa. This, of course, extremely true in the case of uh, Volkswagen. So they are indeed developing essentially uh, an entire AV platform of sorts. And when I say platform, I don't just mean on the software side. I mean also in conjunction with the actual vehicles they're developing in conjunction with uh, Argo AI which is owned jointly by Volkswagen and Ford. If you remember, Volkswagen actually closed a $2.5 billion investment in Argo uh, last June. The idea is that going forward, you'll effectively have a level four ready vehicle that you should be able to summon on your phone, presumably, uh, to be picked up in an autonomous 
uh, Volkswagen, presumably powered both by Argo's vehicles on the ground and Volkswagen's software in the cloud. Interestingly, Volkswagen actually does have uh, an in-house software arm called Cariad. Um, I've only recently learned about this. I didn't. I had never heard that name before. And Volkswagen is betting so bigly on this <laughs> that uh, they're actually estimating it's going to generate something on the order of 1.4 trillion U.S. dollars or 1.2 trillion euros in revenue by 2030. The idea, of course to do so via subscriptions and I suppose some other sales as well. Um, beyond all the software, and frankly, going back to the EV discussion, you know, Volkswagen are also working on building six uh, battery factories throughout Europe, uh, not to mention a nearly $1 billion hardware platform for research and development in West Berlin. If this sounds a bit similar or a bit familiar uh, to what Tesla have been doing with their gigafactories, and essentially bringing everything under one roof. I mean, honestly, in a, in a sense, this is kind of what Volkswagen are doing too, right? I mean, because when you think about it, right, they're going to have the platform uh, for the vehicles through Argo. They're going to be developing their own batteries, potentially. They've got their own AV um, software, right? And so I can imagine a future where, where, where Volkswagen effectively ends up being both uh, an auto company, obviously with its all its different brands of cars, which will all be, of course, electric come 2030, 2035, give or take. Um, but also what's going to happen is they're going to be, yeah, effectively licensing out much of their, uh, well, certainly their software through their their, their cloud-based AV solutions. Uh, but also I think that we're going to see a lot of their Argo vehicles um, certainly get sold, but indeed even leased out to, you know, for fleet usage too. And of course, eventually then, yeah, Volkswagen are going to build a car sharing platform indeed. And so the end result of all this is that Volkswagen are projecting uh, margin parity as between battery electric vehicles and internal combustion engine vehicles in about two to three years. So the idea is that the electric vehicle margins are going to eventually enjoy lower R&D, as Volkswagen says, thanks to a shared platform and group synergies generally. Of course, uh, Cost of battery production is going to drop. You're going to enjoy increasing economies of scale. And eventually, thanks to multi-branded factories, there will be lower factory costs as well. This then, yeah, is going to close the margin gap to combustion vehicles in about two to three years. So back in February, I believe, let's see here. Yeah, episode 181. Uh, we talked a bit about how Germany was supposedly getting close to passing legislation to enable level four testing on roads and freeways, the Autobahn. Um, and it looks like, well, it's finally basically happening. The idea is that legislation has been adopted that will effectively allow at least some autonomous vehicles to drive on public roads by 2022. The idea is that this would enable... Uh, level four autonomy, which again means that uh, driverless vehicles could drive in certain conditions, certain environments. So effectively geo-fenced or environment-fenced, if you will. So for example, vehicles that can drive on certain roads uh, or in certain conditions or times of day, for instance, these would be allowed without a backup human driver. Uh, so the bill was passed last week. Um, in the Bundestag, that's Germany's lower house of parliament. 
Um, it still needs to pass through the upper chamber of parliament, the Bundesrat, uh, but it seems pretty safe to say this is likely to pass. Now, obviously, there's all sorts of um, particularities uh, surrounding the safety and how this can, you know, how, how automakers uh, can take advantage of this of this new legislation when it passes. Um, and indeed, there are already many auto companies testing right now. Uh, for example, as we just mentioned, uh, Argo AI, part of Volkswagen, they've been testing at Munich Airport, which, by the way, has a new uh, innovation center called Lab Campus. Um, so, so the basically the the biggest regulatory issues are this: um, first of all, every automaker has to provide its liability coverage for the inevitability of if and when something goes wrong. This makes sense. As an aside, you'll remember that last uh, week on Friday we discussed. Uh, Volvo's Vision 2020, how going forward, they are indeed going to hold fast to their promise uh, to accept all liability for all things that go wrong. This, of course, is a really huge thing. And it seems safe to say that any vehicle taking advantage of this level four uh, legislation on German roads will similarly have to be fully beefed up for the uh, eventuality of something going wrong. The the other thing that's so interesting, though, is the need for backup drivers. Again, this is to be expected, and it's certainly similar to what we've seen, uh, I almost said, here in California. Uh, I now need to say over there in California, now that I'm here in uh, Boston area. Um, but yeah, so, so obviously a backup driver will be necessary. This will, of course, be effectively a remote backup driver. This then raises the... The question once again about teleoperations generally. Um, obviously, I'm a bit biased, being that I am on the advisory board for a teleops startup based in San Francisco. Uh, it's called Chibus. Um, look, the thing about teleops, it is worth mentioning again. It, it's funny because it doesn't get that much press generally, does it? I mean, it's not really this thing that people talk about very much in the same way I suppose that people don't tend to talk very much about, I don't know, ABS, seatbelts, or airbags. Here's the thing, though. People don't talk about ABS, seatbelt, uh, or airbags today, but they certainly did when these things were new because they were a big deal. Some even considered them a bit of a hindrance. They sort of got in the way, seatbelts especially, right? Similarly, today, we're having the same sort of discussions where we're talking a bit about all sorts of things like various ADAS technologies, automatic emergency braking, lane keep assist, and so on. Never mind Tesla's infamous full self-driving beta, which we're going to talk about in a moment. We talk about these things precisely because they're a big deal. They are unusual, but once technology reaches the mainstream, um, it, it effectively becomes transparent. It's like movie special effects. Uh, the really best effects you shouldn't even see at all, or at least you shouldn't recognize that they are special effects. They, they appear completely real, completely lifelike. That's the same thing with teleops. Today, it's, 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 well, today it's not really discussed because it just isn't discussed, but it's also not discussed because it's not really widely adopted yet. And the point is that teleops, especially in the form of the, nece the necessity of a remote backup driver for uh, autonomous vehicle testing, level four especially, um, it needs to be a safety layer, which is simply there as a matter of course. It should be no different to a seatbelt, ABS brakes, automatic emergency braking, and so forth. And so ironically, eventually it'll be a thing that isn't even discussed because it's simply there. So these are things, of course, that Germany is going to be mandating. Um, but in any event, this is pretty exciting because to the point of what we just discussed a moment ago about Volkswagen, uh, you know, Given that Germany is going to allow driverless vehicles on roads by 2022, I think this kind of 
kind of ties in pretty neatly with everything Volkswagen are doing, and never mind Tesla as well, given their presence in Germany, not least of which in Berlin, where they've got now the new Gigafactory. So anyway, really exciting this. I have to say, I'm pretty pleasantly surprised. I, I, I know I mentioned that we discussed this in February, but actually thinking about this further, I think we first got wind of this towards the end of last year, and the idea was that Germany was going to you know, roll out this legislation uh, sometime around the end of the year, early next year, next year being this year, 2021. So look, in good German fashion, they're more or less right on schedule. So this is pretty impressive stuff. Very excited to see what this, you know, what this produces going forward. All right. So look, we need to have a bit of a chat about Tesla. Um, I know I, 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 I do tend not to talk very much about Tesla in explicit segments on this podcast um, for a lot of reasons, actually. A, obviously, as a Tesla owner, I recognize that anything I say could very easily, if not mistakenly, be misconstrued as being biased and supremely pro-Tesla. And although I am a hugely outspoken fan of everything Elon and Tesla have been doing for years, and I still maintain, I think that it's, it's um, how shall I say this delicately? I think the missteps and the mistakes and the, shall we say, questionable ways of doing things have unfortunately, in retrospect, been necessary to enable Tesla to get where they've gotten. And furthermore, necessary to kind of, let's face it, jumpstart the entire automotive industry to pivot to an electric vehicle future, never mind an autonomous vehicle future. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan, but on the other hand, I'm also quite critical when need be. For example, if you haven't yet read my or watched my extensively lengthy review of the Tesla Model Y. Um, look, admittedly, there wasn't that much that I critiqued because there isn't that much to critique, but the things that I critiqued, I critiqued quite heavily, things that really bothered me and indeed continue to bother me to this day. You can find the video over on my YouTube channel at, well, youtube.com slash autonomous cars with Mark Hogue. Yes, it is the full name in the URL. Um, you can, of course, read the review on my Medium page at Mark Hogue. But in any event... Look, there are some things that Tesla are doing that are starting to annoy me, if I'm honest. And when I say starting to annoy me, what I mean is it's not that I wasn't aware of them before. It's just that I was, it, I didn't really need to, it, it, it didn't really, um, I, I, I guess I just didn't really care. What is sort of becoming a bit of a bother now, though, and there's a few things, and we'll discuss full self-driving beta in a moment in more detail, which, no, I do not have yet. And that is actually one of the things that's bothering me, is... Yeah, we effectively, those of us who purchased full self-driving, did so with the knowledge that it wasn't yet available. It was obviously still a thing very much in progress. We got it at a, well, comparatively decent price of $7,000. I think it then went up to $8,000. Now it's around $10,000. And and yeah, we obviously don't have that yet. Um, Furthermore, I am not even part of the early access program, which is obviously rather infuriating considering all the talk I do about autonomous vehicles generally on this podcast. And uh, so obviously I've reached out to Tesla a few times and obviously haven't got anywhere yet, which is supremely frustrating. But but the point is that we've effectively paid for a thing that we haven't yet gotten. I, I will say that one of the features that um, the, the paid full self-driving did get us is automatic uh, lane change, uh, which I Actually, now that I say that, maybe I'm wrong. That may actually be available in the in the regular version of uh, of autopilot without full self driving. I, I actually don't know offhand. Um, but regardless, I do find whatever feature sets I have to be quite useful indeed. I do like the auto lane change, although initially I didn't, and I still find it quite slow and cumbersome 
to the point where I frankly can't often rely on it. But when there's not a lot of cars around, it is actually a really great sort of, um, dare I say, brainless way to confidently change lanes safely. And I'm, I've never been the sort of driver who had issues changing lanes. Again, remember, I did most of my miles of driving down on Southern California freeways. And thanks to my dad years ago, teaching me how to properly set up the side mirrors of a car. I've never suffered the issues of uh, blind spots in cars. So it's not that I have an issue or that I'm uncomfortable changing lanes. I just, yeah, the auto lane change works so well that I do take advantage of it. Now, the bigger issue though, is that yes, effectively we dropped $7,000 for a thing which we don't yet have. This of course was a year ago for us. We've now logged what, 21, 22,000 miles on our Model Y and it's a bit frustrating. We don't have the full thing yet. I mean, how long is this going to go on for, right? So for instance, let's suppose it's been three, maybe four or five years. And suppose for whatever reason, we either need or choose to get rid of our Tesla. My understanding is that that purchase of full self-driving cannot transfer with the, well, yeah, with with me to a new car. We'd have to sort of buy it again. Well, that's not going to work, is it? Because as we all know, full self-driving is not going to be a purchasable thing outright. It'll be subscription only uh, henceforth pretty soon. And if you do the math, it's likely to cost something like $100 a month. So that's that's not cool. I mean, I also just had to finally subscribe to um, the, the the upgraded uh, data package. I forget what Tesla calls it. Um, what is it? $10 a month, which enables us to get things like satellite map view and real-time traffic uh, routing capability. This expired while we were driving as we ticked past the one-year mark of ownership on our Tesla the other day on a road trip up into New Hampshire. Um, so, so yeah, these are all things that kind of yeah, it's starting to, it is kind of starting to rub me the wrong way. Um, and that's all I can say about that. But let's actually dive in a bit and talk about full self-driving beta, this new version nine with the mind of the car view, the visualization that Elon was talking about, not to mention his claim that, oh, full self-driving is, you know, harder than I thought it would be. That's a bit absurdly tongue in cheek of him to say, I suppose. Uh, look, I've seen a lot of the videos not just full self-driving beta version nine, but also the prior versions. And it is genuinely impressive, except when it isn't. On the one hand, I am supremely impressed that it actually does as well as it does. On the other hand, I can't think of too many police officers, if they were behind a Tesla driving the way it drives, that wouldn't pull it over. If only because, you know, maybe thinking that perhaps the driver is in some way incapacitated due to being a bit, you know, slow, uncertain, um, making strange mistakes here and there, uh, some erratic maneuvers now and then. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I am simultaneously impressed and also frustratingly concerned the way it's being handled and deployed. This isn't to say that I, I'm still not changing my view. I am not suddenly siding with all the naysayers out there, some of whom seem to be building their entire careers or at least their entire public persona around simply bad-mouthing Elon and Tesla generally. I'm not going to call you out. You know who you are. Um, I'm not going to go that far. I just don't see the point, not least of which because I still maintain that, unfortunately, with such a bleeding edge technology with such a, as I say, revolutionary step change in technology, this is unfortunately necessary. I mean, I was going to make the analogy about the space race back in the 1960s and all the risks 
we took, but obviously that's an invalid analogy because these weren't dealing with everyday civilians. These were the elite of NASA's then nascent test pilot, um, you know, team. This obviously is different. This is using real human drivers and civilians on the road, putting everybody in jeopardy. I'm just going to reiterate then what I've always said, which is, but we human drivers are always in jeopardy of other human drivers. Um, and so now we're just putting them in jeopardy in a different sort of way, potentially. But but it is obviously for a greater good. I mean, if ever there was an example of the ends justifying the means, then surely this must be it. I mean, I think even in the earliest days of aviation, when aviation was decidedly dangerous, very, very dangerous, there was it was still recognized, besides the convenience factor, and obviously, make no mistake, there was a huge convenience factor to autonomous cars and autonomous future, Aviation, you know, the earliest aviation pioneers recognized beyond the convenience factor, there was also a profound promise of greater safety. You know, people didn't stop developing aircraft and people didn't stop flying in airplanes, even with the recognition that they were so dangerous, because there was a recognition that they were already very quickly becoming as safe as cars to get from A to B, and very soon they would be much safer than cars, which of course they are today, vastly more so, like there's no comparison. So that's kind of how I see Tesla. And I just think that as with any huge step change like this, there is going to be an incredibly rough around the edges interim stage. That's where we are now. And I think it's just necessary to get to point B. So there you have it. That's what I think. I desperately want full self-driving beta. I want to give it a shot. I have emailed the team at Tesla, haven't heard back. Uh, if anybody has any strings to pull, please start pulling them. Reach out to me. Um, I, I want to get this thing. I want to start testing it. And by the way, I should say, another reason I want to get get it is because I haven't seen too many full self-driving beta videos um, outside of California. They, the vast majority seem to be in LA or the San Francisco Bay Area. Well, look, now I'm in a completely different region just outside of Boston uh, where not only are there not too many Teslas to begin, I mean, the city of Boston has quite a few Teslas that I've seen. Um, outside of Boston, really not that many. Um, so I'd love to try it out here and really see how it does. Not to mention, once winter comes around in, what, five months' time, it'd be great to see what happens then. So, yeah, that's all I've got on that for now. I uh, Look, if anybody wants to get in a big debate with me about full, full self-driving, I'm, I think I'm happy to do at least one or two. So <laughs> reach out, let me know if you'd like to have that debate and we can do it. Well, look, that is a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you back here on Friday. Take care. Bye-bye.